Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Wayland. And I am not. I am <laughs> Jeremy Blair. <laughs> I think that should also be a thing where you come in with a new intro every time. I mean, it's only the second time I've done that, and it was the same one. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, we'll work on it. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of, of a new intro, I just want to throw this out there. I want, I want the people to hear this. Um my my semi-serious idea of making t-shirts Ugh. would anyone out there buy them um i want to know i genuinely want to know if i were if i were to create a t-shirt for the podcast would anyone buy any my guess is going to be no because no one listens to this well i mean we have a pretty big following on soundcloud that doesn't make any sense to me and i feel like it's just one person listening to us all in, day long in dublin ireland though yeah and in ecuador ecuador and, and in brazil and in iraq yeah i looked this up today iraq iraq yeah man that's cool that's crazy um, that's absolutely insane <laughs> you know why it's this it's probably because they can't get other podcasts where they are they're like this is all we get <laughs> we, we just get these two idiots <laughs> we, get, we get these two Americans just talking about movies and they yeah. don't even know what they're talking about yeah and it, you know it, they don't even you know one of them doesn't take notes the other one just <laughs> the other one picks movies I don't want to watch if uh, if anyone doesn't know I'm the one who doesn't take notes I think they do I'm pretty sure they do so uh so yeah everyone um so as you heard last week um we're gonna be talking about a movie that jeremy picked that's right. a movie that he's been wanting to talk about for oh. i want to say since we did the horror movie episode and you brought it up probably and also i'd like to make an addendum to that i i kind of feel bad i put it on there on the horror movie side i feel like it's more yeah i will it's more of a psychological drama than a horror movie i will say that yeah i will say like even though the stuff we were talking about off mic um yeah i didn't feel like it was very horror no. no you know I think I just wanted to, I just wanted to shoehorn it in there because I love the movie so much I was like you know what I don't know he kills people that's fine right that's a serial killer movie that's horror let's do it so but yeah all right yeah. Uh, you, you know what your name's on the podcast go ahead you you start us off and I'll jump in all right well so I'm probably going to be relying on you for more of the um, philosophical parts of the movie fun because I guess you could say that I didn't get it. Okay. Mainly the, the philosophical parts of it. Like, I didn't get it. Like, I, um, so before I really just, like, just start, like, throwing shit out at people. So, this is a movie called The House of Jack Built. Um, I'm going to sound like such, like, a try hard, but I don't care. I don't know what that word means. So, uh, go ahead. Well, and I've heard you say this name constantly. New movie from Lars Montreux. Woo! Um, which I haven't seen any of his other movies. And I'd like to point out 
that he fucking shows scenes of his other movies in the fucking movie. Yeah, in this one, yeah. Very meta, in my it, opinion. Yeah, it's meta commentary on his own work, right? And it's very... It's it's eclectic, his, his body of work and, you know, the sort of... Uh, subject matters right where they're kind of the same is it's sort of delivery and his style um but yeah he does uh when jack starts talking about the the atrocities we commit in our fiction mm-hmm. um it is all layered with clips of lars von Trier films yeah i remember i remember when we uh, when i got to that scene i'm like hey there's jamie bell yeah i'm like he's he's spanking the hell out of some chick yeah and then uh and then I've, I've never seen Antichrist, but I know what happens to Willem Dafoe, and mm-hmm. I know that he gets a, a dumbbell, like a dr- it's, yeah, it, it's a, it's a weight, and uh, like, she dr- drills yeah. it into his fucking foot, yeah, or, his uh, ankle, his ankle. Right. And so I see him like, I'm like, oh. trying to get up the hill, yeah, yeah. 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 It's I, was, a, I was like, oh, I see what he's doing now, right, right. So and it's in when I saw that singing, I was blown away I was like this is so cool because who knows how many films he's going to do after this I mean it takes him forever Uh, it was you know five or six years in between Nymphomaniac and House of Jack built so um, I thought Antichrist was in between that no Antichrist was 2009 so that was really uh, yeah or 2008 and then it was Melancholia and then it was Nymphomaniac yeah, because Melancholia has uh, Kirsten Dunst. That's right. Kirsten. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. None of this matters. I uh, I had a question, like, ready to fire at you. Okay. Should oh, we... th- th- there it is. Okay. Um, oh, great. Why, why does it take Lars so long to make these movies? Does I don't he, know. Um, is he looking for, like, inspiration for his next I'm not sure. Big... I think a lot of it may be logistical stuff. You know, he is terrified of flying and really? so if he wants American actors they have to come to him like he doesn't uh, which is really it gives a really interesting setting to the films because they are supposedly taking place in the United States yeah but it doesn't look like the United States because it isn't right yeah like the the apartment scene with simple I was like yeah. that doesn't look like a because it's not I mean, I, I kind of got a Chicago vibe, but I was like, yeah, apartments in Chicago don't look like that, though. Right. It is, yeah, because he's in Europe, right? Um, no. He's Danish? Denmark. Uh, he's from Denmark. He's, um, uh, I think it's Danish. Danish. Yeah. If we're wrong, <laughs> tell me, because I, I don't know the, the shortenings of these things. Um, but anyway, let me give a quick little synopsis, Yeah. because I'm going to be jumping around, because yeah, I don't want to... I'll, I'll let you do the synopsis, because if I do it, I'll... I'll get tuned in detail. Probably not going to be going in order. So giving a synopsis will will help um, the the listening audience, right? Whomever that is, you know, <laughs> those four people out there, and you know, Mr. Schumacher, he's listening. And oh yeah, I, oh, I know Joel is listening. Uh, yeah, and, and and Joel, um, I'm going to need your okay to put your face on a t-shirt, by the way, because <laughs> your face will be on a t-shirt, not just your name. Uh, so. Uh, the synopsis is um, we open on a uh, black screen, mm-hmm. right, which uh, he has done before, uh, Von Trayer, He's done that before. In Nymphomaniac, it was like a, a minute long, you know, black screen. Really? And yeah, I think this one was also stretching like, to a minute long. Yeah, it felt like th- 30 minutes longer. to 40, if not 30 minutes, 30 seconds to 45 seconds yeah. long. Talking to him, uh, Jack is talking to a mysterious someone. Um, 
And yeah, because he hasn't said verge yet. No, so he doesn't know. We don't know who he's talking to. He's just asking, you know. Am I, am I allowed to speak along the way? I was thinking there might be rules, right? Mm-hmm. And the person tells him, you know, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Just don't think you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. And then we're off, right? He said, all right, I'm going to give you an account of five events over the course of 12 years of my life. And uh, and they're randomly chosen. Here we go. And we're off. So mm-hmm. um, Jack is a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he is an aspiring uh, engineer. Oh, that was no, an architect. architect. He's yeah, a, he's, he's, he is an he engineer. Is an, he's an, that's right. See, he at least is an engineer. I was paying attention. Good job, Rain. So, uh, yes, he is an aspiring architect um, as he feels that being an architect is is more not just rewarding but it's more of an art form than right and he considers himself an artist and we we go over this throughout all five incidents mm-hmm. um and so the movie is each incident with a little stuff in between right um really giving us a general idea of who jack is yeah and um his philosophies his uh his way of thinking of the world his uh his crazy ideas on things mm-hmm. uh it really does mimic sort of Lars von Schreyer's sort of uh, weird ideals of things uh he this was his first time back at the Cannes Film Festival after yeah, I, I read something after about a that. big hiatus from his Hitler comments uh at the Melancholia premiere at the at the Cannes Film Festival what what did he say uh, he said that he understood Hitler oh my gosh and you should see Kirsten Dunst's face when he says that I'm assuming she she's sitting like right next to him it is exactly that oh no one can see I put my hands on my head and we're just like and <gasps> Eyeballs got real big, and she goes, "What the fuck?" Like she, she's like, "Why does he stop talking?" You know, uh, it was it's so funny. Anyway, Lars <laughs> von Trier is out of his mind. Um, he was actually hospitalized um, during Antichrist for uh, chronic depression. Right? Really? Is he's got some weird ideas? He has. Um, sorry, mom. I've already said it once, so whatever. He has fuck uh, tattooed on his knuckles <laughs> really? on his. Hang on, I'm trying to remember. I think it's his right hand. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love how you said sorry, mom, and we're 16 episodes in. Well, I've done. We've I've done 16 episodes. We're probably 10 or so, maybe more. 11. We're probably 12 episodes in. And we've said fuck. Well, every... you say it way more than I do, and so <laughs> and uh, you know. I don't know. I just feel bad for you know. Okay. So anyway, no mom likes so, to listen. Where so, tattoo on his? He does. Okay. He has it. So he's he's kind of out there. He's sort of eccentric. So okay. And his movies sort of reflect that. And I think this is. I'm not saying it's all Lars. Is mm. is Jack's way of thinking and you know his sort of ideas on like the value of icons, yeah. which uh, really got under Verge's skin, right? So anyway. I would love to talk about, first off, let's talk about the overall style of the film. Mm-hmm. So uh, what Lars von Trier loves to do is these is these intercuts of visual examples of what you are talking about. Right. So when Jack is explaining something like the construction and architectural design of a cathedral, you're seeing an animated sort of like 1950s sort of animated example of how how they construct uh, right. cathedrals. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, so which, I, number one, it's so you, I guess so you you know what they're talking about. You can see it. Yeah. Which which for me, you know, I'm 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 hit or miss with exposition. Mm-hmm. So if it's really well written, like a Quentin Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is I feel is all exposition. Yeah. It's perfect. Right. But then like, you know, with um Spider-Man Far From Home, mm-hmm. when Jake Gyllenhaal is giving his big speech. <laughs> I was like, OK, we get it. Yeah. Go on. But I liked that there was something to go with the exposition. Right. That it wasn't just Jack just talking. No. Right. Exactly. I think we would, number one, get bored. Number two, if we don't know what he's talking about, we're more we're we're less likely to listen. Right. So especially when he starts talking about the, the purposeful decay of... Of grapes for dessert wine. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have all of these like documentary style footage of them making dessert wine, <laughs> there's no way I'd give a shit about any of it, <laughs> right? Um, and I still kind of don't, but I get his, but I got his point, right? Right. <laughs> um, and he, what Lars von Trier loves so much is chalkboard art. And um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if he does it. How all the incidents were right. Um, Reverse. I think they were shot in reverse, so yeah, yeah, it were. looks like like you poured water on it, and the the chalk was sort of smeared and sort of mm-hmm. cascading down the chalkboard. And then he has it in reverse, right. so, so it comes up. Yeah. First incident, second incident, right? Um, I think the only one that didn't get that was the fifth, right? No, no, the fifth guy. No, it. the fifth, fifth guy. Yeah. It, it's all uniform, I believe. Yeah. Um, even the epilogue. Right. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk for hours about the epilogue when we'll get there. Yes, because so, I, I have things to say. But um, the one I really, really liked, and Verge had a great comment about it because it's true. Uh, when Jack is talking about his desire to kill and how it comes about, it's mm. the it's the the figure under the lamplight. Yes. Right? The street lamplight. And he's yeah, two, walk- two right, right. street lamps, yeah. Right. And he's walking and it's about, you know, the the analogy with the shadows, how the one behind him grows and that hit or the one behind him Disappears. The, yeah, <laughs> the when he's, it's, when hard, he, it's so hard. It's so hard to keep it all together. When he when he's walking under the first street lamp, right. The shadow behind him grows, right? Because yes. the one in front of him shrinks. So the one in front of him represents his, um, his, I guess, pleasure in the kill, right? And as that disappears, the shadow behind him grows. As he's getting as closer he's walking, to the second lamp post, right? And that represents his uh, desire to kill again the pain of not doing it mm-hmm. and as he approaches the second lamplight his the shadow in front of him disappears altogether and we have the one behind him so he has to kill again mm-hmm. and then once he gets right under it he kills and we start over again right right and you know verge was like yes you want to think you're someone special but you're not because you could that, say you could apply that to anything, anything, anybody with any sort of addiction or any sort of dependence on anything, you could use that analogy. Right. And but I just loved the analogy. Um, shout out to my buddy Zach, who I hope is listening to this. <laughs> um, my, my buddy Zach uh, Constancios. I fucked up his last name. I always do. Uh, <laughs> I'm so bad at pronouncing his last name. Zach, I'm sorry, buddy. But um, when I I texted him the trailer as soon as it dropped. Right. All right. So 
uh, which I watched it about six times that day. It was like last... It wasn't like four months ago, April. It mm-hmm. was the April before that when this trailer dropped. So was in 2018, April? So excited. Yes. Okay. And I was like, dude, Von has got a new one. Here it is. Dude, we got to see it, right? First time I ever met Zach, um, I had casually mentioned in conversation that I really love the film. We need to talk about Kevin, uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey, and it stars Ezra Miller, and um, it's so brilliant, so well done. Is so Ezra great. Miller in the one? Yeah. Are you going to talk about Kevin? Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, I believe you. Well, I mean, I've seen it 11 times, so yeah, <laughs> I think Ezra Miller's in it. Um <laughs> But anyway, Flash. the next time I saw him, he goes, oh, dude, I saw when you talk about Kevin. It's excellent. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You were listening to me? <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, and then our just friendship just grew and grew. And, um, and now we really get into these sort of niche um, auteurist films like Von Trayer stuff, right? Right. So anyway, I just want to give a shout out to my boy, um, boy Zach. I know he's listening because I told him we were doing this episode and he was so excited. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, and we especially really like the chalkboard stuff. So, right. um, which uh, he also does in um, Antichrist, and I think also in Nymphomaniac as well. But anyway, so the style is fun. I love the sound design. Um, I remember I was I had seen this movie like five times at this point and I and I was stuck at a at a light right by this overpass and I had my window rolled down uh-huh. and I could hear the cars underneath it go kuchu 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 and I go that's the sound that's the sound that's in this film all the time uh-huh. um, it's it's to I think accent his his painful memories or his sort of uh, neuroses or his um, his painful desires you know what I mean uh-huh. and it is the sound of cars going over an overpass while you're under it oh okay yeah isn't that cool yeah alright so before we go on to anything else uh-huh. rain Yes. <laughs> I can see you teeing up this question. What'd you think of the movie? Okay. We kind of talked a little bit of, uh, off mic. I, I didn't hate it, okay? Well, I'll, that's good. I'll be 100% honest. I didn't hate the movie. I, as you know, like, I'm not, I'm not big on artsy movies, Ugh. I I know this isn't like considered an artsy. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, it's more artsy than you know, like seven. Yeah. Right. But you know, and I felt like this really helped me kind of see myself. Like, wow, I I do like a lot of mainstream movies. Yeah. You know, um, but <sighs> what it was for me is I was sitting there. And as I mentioned off mic, I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's a little slow, slow build. Like the whole thing with the first incident and him and Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. And the majority of it, it was them just talking. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, are you going to kill her anytime soon? I mean, in, uh, if anyone on this planet deserved it, <laughs> it was Uma Thurman's character. Oh, she yeah. was oh, pretty terrible. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I think I, it was the first and only time we were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> You know, he killed her. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, she, you know, because she starts belitt- belittling him 
towards the end of it. Like, I believe it's on purpose, right? So I think it's on purpose that we were kind of like, whoa, he got her, mm-hmm. right? Which is terrible to say, but it's like, you know, we we were with him on the thrill of the kill there for one second, mm-hmm. right? And so now we can understand a little bit where right. he's coming from with all the other ones that don't seem or aren't at all um, justified. These right. are just cold-blooded killings, mm-hmm. right? But since we were on board with the first one, mm-hmm. we're now with him for the rest. Right. Right. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so so that's... I, it wasn't losing me, but I was just like, okay, like, I know she's going to die. Just fucking kill her already. Yeah. Um... It was with the second incident, and I and I do want to talk more about the second incident. That's when I was getting a little bit more invested, because as you mentioned in the horror episode, um, how you know he's sitting there after he kills. Uh, I don't know her name. I just know her from the lady from Men in Black. You know Edgar uh, Edgar's wife. Yes. Um, after he kills her, yeah. When I saw her, I was like, oh hey, it's Edgar's wife. Yeah. Or what's 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 uh, Vince D'Onofrio's character in Men in Black? I don't remember, but it's it's, Edgar, right? When I was a kid, it was my favorite, one of my favorite lines because it was one of the times my parents didn't mind if I swore because it was the uh, and y'all get to do something about this house because. Damn, you know that was like <laughs> it was hilarious. After they neuralize yeah. her, and she's just like, mm-hmm. um, anyway, go ahead. But yeah, but you know, so he's so he's killed her. He's got her wrapped up. He's already cleaned the crime scene. And he's sitting there in his van, and then he's like, "There's blood underneath the lamp and the rug. I gotta go back, right? Because of his OCD." And we have and we have flashes of a hand picking up these items and having blood underneath them. Like we we see that that few seconds mm-hmm. of uh oh maybe it is and this is OCD this is what it is like right and and it did it enough times to where you I mean you're immersed in his OCD oh yeah yeah I was I was like he didn't just go back twice he went back like four times yeah so he goes back because he he's like you know I left blood underneath the lamp and the rug goes back and he cleans underneath the lamp and the rug gets back in his his van and then he's like I left it underneath the... There's blood underneath the picture frame. Goes back, cleans that, and then cleans the rug and the lamp again. It needs to be said that there was no blood anywhere. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. And then that's when he has the... It's under a chair leg. Mm -hmm. And then that's... Then he checks the the picture frame again, and then that's where your sirens. And he's like... I gotta go. Yeah. But then his OCD kicks in again and he's like, there's blood underneath the chair. Like, I know it. Yeah. And so that one, that was when I was like, okay, like, I'm, I get it now. Like, you're I'm, not, yeah, you're not alone. My dad, I showed my dad this movie because mm-hmm. um, I, I had to redeem myself because I showed him a film also directed by Lynn Ramsey that came out the same year, which was You Were Never Really Here. Uh, and that's with uh, Walking Venus. Yeah. Right? And it went out of its way not to show you violence. And so, I'm assuming your dad hated that. Oh, yeah. He was like, <laughs> what the hell, Jeremy? So I had to redeem myself. I go, this one's going to show you a lot, Dad. And so, <laughs> but he was like, get, get out of there. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah, I went from kind of being like, I was laying on the couch, relaxed. Like, I was like, okay. But then I went from that to I was up like, okay. Yeah. You need to go. There's yeah. sirens coming. Yeah, you're leaning forward at this point. Yeah. And so. So I was like, okay, like, so as as I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, so if this is what the movie's gonna be, I'm for it, I'm all into it. And then 
immediately. It's almost like now that I'm saying it out loud, it's almost like Lars von Trier almost kind of like the movie lured the audience into a false insecurity. Like, okay, this is what you think the movie's going to be about. Mm-hmm. No, because then the the very next line that Matt Dillon says is, after my you know sixth or seventh kill, my OCD began to like diminish right and i was like oh you're just a guy killing people now yeah so again i didn't hate the movie he's gaining confidence but um this brings up a cool point that you yada yada over which is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole movie Mm -hmm. it really does give you this sense of surrealism and juxtaposed with the overall hyper realism of the murders which is the surrealism that he doesn't get caught Mm -hmm. Even in the second incident when the cops are in the house yeah. and he's still acting weird, like checking the picture frames. Yeah. And, yeah. Not only that, he literally straps the body behind his van and drags it all the way back to Prospect Street or Prospect Avenue mm-hmm. back to his walk-in freezer. Yeah. So and when I say he drags it, I mean it is tied behind a rope 10 feet behind him in the van being dragged at like 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He does not get caught. And one of and oh, man, this is in the trailer and it made me want to see this movie more than anything. Yeah. Was he looks he he gets out of the van, he looks, there is this gigantic trail of blood from the crime scene to his walk-in freezer and he looks really worried. Mhm. And then it begins to rain. Yeah. And it rains so hard that it washes away the blood trail and all the teeth and all and all the gray matter and all the all the hair and all the blood washes away and he gets away with it. And it's and at that point you know he's good. He he doesn't need to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And even he even tells uh, Verge. He tells Verge two things. Um, that at the very end, um, it, it now contradicts itself, but that's when you know it's the end, right? Mm-hmm. Is he never got that freezer door open? He never got caught. Uh, he says to Verge, you know, I think about my my life and all the things I've done, and it never resulted in punishment, mm-hmm. right? And at the end, you know, you have the cops and they're breaking down the door and, you know, then he finally gets that fucking door open. Yeah. Right? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He told Virgie never got it open. We must be at the end, you know. Right. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there. Right, so right, right. he drags this body behind his van. Yeah. All right. And I was like, Dad, you, you're going to love how real this looks. Yeah. Then he flips the body over and it's just half, it, half of her head long ways is gone. The the front half, mm-hmm. gone. We we see half a brain in there, and then we see face stuff. <laughs> Whatever is behind your face, that's what we see. Uh, and it is it is gruesome. He oh, yeah. flips it, and of course, Dad's like, yeah, I mean, that's what would happen if you dragged that thing on, on asphalt for that long. I mean, it's like sandpaper, you know? It's like a sander, mm-hmm. and you're just sanding her face off. Yeah. You know? Uh, and... and Funny enough, not the most gruesome thing we'll see in the movie. Oh, and fuck no, <laughs> dude. I was not expecting. Like, even with the scene you warned me about, which we'll get to, and the fourth incident, I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, so the so the thing I want to touch on with the second incident okay. 
is how awkward it was at first. It was, right? So and I I now fast forward through that because it, it, it makes me uncomfortable and it's so awkward and he's, you know... He's uh, fumbling through this lie. Right. Yeah, because, you know, he he first tells her that he's a cop. Mm. And, like, and I get the point. Like, after the movie was over and I sat and I thought, I was like, okay, I get why it was so awkward. He's This is new to him. He's not used to it. He doesn't know what to say, what to do, how to get in these people's houses, like, to kill them. And so I get that he's experimenting. I believe we're supposed to believe that Uma Thurman was his first kill ever. Yeah. I'm not sure that's true. I don't know if he has killed other people before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not really alluded to that he has. But, you know, when we get to the second incident, he's so nervous and he's so, uh, you know, unprepared that mm-hmm. it's like maybe that was his first one. Because now he's... Well, I think so, because when he takes her back to the walk-in freezer, there's no other bodies in there. Right. So I would assume that Uma Thurman was his first one. And, yeah. and I would say... The second incident, would I maybe his third kill, maybe, maybe, but no, yeah, it's it was very awkward. I was I, like the whole time I was just I was like, oh, because he goes from like, oh yeah, I'm a cop, uh, you know, you you shop at Carlson's supermarket, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we we were trying to avoid any incident around there, and you know, she's like, well, did something happen? And he's like, uh huh, like doesn't know what to say, right? And then he. He's like, well, ma'am, can I come in? She's like, well, can I see a badge? And, you know, obviously he doesn't have a badge. Right. So he then he goes from, no, lady, I'm an insurance salesman. They they make me say I'm a cop, you know, just to kind of disarm you. And then, and then, of course, by that point, she's like, well, can you really double my pension? Well, right. yeah. Can I come in? And then that's when it. Right. And which I'll even say that was, was hard to watch. Yeah. When he kills her. Mm-hmm. Well. Attempts at first, we strangles her, and then she starts to choke on her tongue. Yeah, I was like, because then he's like, oh, what, what, what do you need me to do? Right, like, what can I do to make this better? And I'm like, wait, you should be lucky that she's choking on her tongue. Then, yeah, so he essentially resuscitates her briefly, mm. just to strangle her again. Right. So maybe you can elaborate more on. Because I was like, why would you do that then? Why would you attempt to resuscitate if you're just going to kill her? Throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. he's very arrogant. Right. Right. He, even Verge, is like, your, your narcissism knows no bounds. Right. Mm-hmm. When he gives him the name Mr. Sophistication, right? Right. Um, I think he was just, he couldn't believe that he was so bad at it at first. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he wanted to resuscitate her so he could try again. And he kind of didn't even do it right the second time until he stabbed her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, there we go. You know, but as pointed out, it, you know, after that, he started to practice, mm-hmm. you know, started strangling for longer and harder. And he finally got it done to where he could strangle no problem. Right. It right. sounds so weird. We're talking about this. But anyway, <laughs> um, and you know, you're kind of proud of him. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> he does realize at that moment that he does need to actually work at it. He's not going right. to be good at it right off the bat. I think that's probably what we're trying to. Uh, to understand about Jack at mm-hmm. that point. Because uh, throughout the rest of the movie, I mean, even towards the very, very end, he cannot fathom something he is not good at. 
until mm-hmm. it finally fails him, right? Right. And we'll get there. Uh, we, I'm, I'm teasing this epilogue because I love <laughs> the epilogue, so we're going to tease the epilogue. But, okay. Um, I want to talk about... Um, Let's see. What do I have in my notes right here? We have the Great Rain sound design. Yep, we already talked about that. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about the cue cards real fast. So, oh, when he's sitting in front of the van and he's in the alleyway. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's an homage to Bob Dylan. There's a, uh, a video. I think it's like a Rolling Stone where um, he has the lyrics on cue cards and he keeps dropping them and throwing them and uh, and it mm. is in that same sort of leaning on a van in an alleyway. Oh, and so okay. that's meant to be a little bit of, uh, of an, an homage. homage to Bob Dylan, which I love Bob Dylan very much. Well, um, he doesn't love Bob, Bob right. Dylan. And, and so that's what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those, also these sort of um, cuts to analogy, sort of, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like in um, what Scorsese did in Goodfellas where he has Joe Pesci shoot at the camera at the very end even though his character's dead right okay which is an homage to the great train robbery which is a an old like two-reeler um from like 1902 or something like that you know good god I know um (laughs) it's this sort of you know it yes he's in character but it's not a part of the diegesis of the story like it's uh it's it's separate, but it's not. It, it's really weird, right? Mm-hmm. But it works within the confines of the style of the story that right. we're watching, right? Um, I want to talk about also Glenn Gould. I love Glenn Gould. And those of you who don't know, Glenn Gould is a masterful classical pianist, um, and they use him a lot in this mm-hmm. um yeah, like when when you see that first video of him, I figured like, oh, okay, they're just explaining who he is. But you see him throughout the entire movie, right? And that footage they had of him was great uh, of him practicing at his house, um, and he's practicing this specific Bach. Um, it's I have it written down because <laughs> right. I take notes. Um, right, I, can, is, I, can, I can get it on. Uh... It is Bach's. Uh, Partita, number two in C minor, uh, BWV 826. That's the, and it's the first movement is what he keeps practicing over and over again. You know, mm. the bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 right? Mm. Um, and then it goes to the do, 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 right? Right. Um, and it, Jack mentions in the, um, in the movie, and it's sort of a weird moment because you we're looking at this old stock footage of Glenn Gould practicing Bach in his house. Right. But so can they because um, Verge mentions, well, who's this guy? Why are we looking at this guy? Oh, okay. Right? I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Right. And he goes, well, this is Glenn Gould, probably one of the greatest pianists to ever live. Uh, he represents art. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was kind of strange that they can see what I can see. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I don't I really don't know what to make of that. I think it was a cool choice. Right. It's meant to be a little more surrealistic, which ties into the epilogue of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a wonder, can they see everything we're saying? Like, can they conjure up these these images, you know, to be able to communicate with one another? Right. It's very strange. And um and I really dig it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't don't know quite what to make of that, but you know, again, 
maybe it's just you know his style you know Von Trainers he's got a, he, he's got a style of his own so I mean like I I appreciate a lot of the cuts of like of like but the, the visual representation of what Jack and Virgil were talking about right yeah I never caught that Verge could see what we yeah. were saying. Well, it was like, the first time, I think, that it was the first one. It, it, and it was Glenn Gould. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah, I remember him saying, um, I feel like I maybe I misread the maybe I misheard the line, but I could have sworn Verge said, like, what does Glenn Gould have to do with anything? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we're seeing him practice. Right. Well, what does he have to do with anything? Right? Yeah. Because he doesn't know who he is at first. Um, Jack has to tell him who he is. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I must have misheard the line yeah. then. But, um, but yeah. Um, so I really didn't want to have – really, really didn't want to talk about this incident, but I feel like we have to. I can't wait. Incident three. Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Okay. So – Okay. Like, I have so much to say about this because I, I felt like a changed person <laughs> after watching this, and this was even the cut version. Yeah. Like, I was still like, what the fuck? Right. So, okay. All right. What you missed. Okay. First off, let me explain the scene. So, the scene is- Yeah, let, I'll let you explain it. The scene is Jack takes a woman and her two children- And I guess we're to assume that he's dating this yes. woman. Yes. Um, because uh, Verge had mentioned, you know, that he was, uh, are you, were you trying to have a, a family? family, right? Yeah. Well, he said, I had a family once, and then he was dating this woman that we are to assume he's dating, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. uh, and her two children, and he's taking them to this sort of shooting gal- shooting range that is just out in this open field um, with targets, things like that. And right. he's describing to them, you know, the purposes and uses of these rifles and shotguns and how to properly use them. Um, um, why we, why I don't hunt. Right. And he's very, which is so very strange. And I think it was, I think he's being genuine. I don't, I do think that he thinks of animals in a different way than he thinks of humans. I don't think um, he is lying to these people. Mm -hmm. Right. I do think he thinks that way. Especially when he, when he gets really into detail with Verge explaining like, you know, when you would, they would parade these dead animals like trophies. Right. You know, and then when he makes the trophy of his own, he seems right. very disheartened that he had to kill these crows. Right, because he had to kill the crows on the top, right? Because he had first mentioned the crows uh, to the family. It's like, mm. you know, me killing those crows would mean I am choosing what lives and what dies in this forest, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he ends up <laughs> hunting hunting the, the two children and the mom, right? And I... <laughs> love the same. So I know that makes Jesus me a bad Christ. person, right? Um, and, ah, God, man, it's so great. So <laughs> uh, well, he does start hunting the children. I will tell you what you missed. Well, okay. So I know because you watched the uh, the R-rated yeah. uh, version. So I know when he he kills Grumpy first, mm-hmm. I, I didn't see another shot. But, I, you know, the initial shot, I'm assuming it blew off his leg. It did. The first one did, yeah. But I f- had a feeling that probably didn't initially kill him. It did not. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he, he would have probably eventually died of blood loss. But I was like, there's no way that I would have killed him. But even then, like, how the, how the scene was cut, 
I you couldn't see the leg, it's, but I saw the uh, children's names are Grumpy and Georgie. Grumpy's not given a name. Uh, he's just he's just upset, right? He doesn't yeah. want to be there, you know. He's which I mean, would you wouldn't either. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I don't want to meet this guy. Who, who cares, right? So um, and he just he's. He, <laughs> So they call him Grumpy, right? Yeah, and then he uh, headshots Georgie because uh-huh. Georgie, like a fool, has his head poked above enough for yeah. Jack to see him. So all the cut is is you see him in the scope. He goes back to Jack and he pulls the trigger. And Cuts. All right, here's what you missed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You okay. missed that leg being blown off because you do, you do see it. All right. Fuck. You see that leg getting blown off, and then he does shoot him in the stomach, right? Okay. So two shots for for Grumpy. Um, you do miss him getting. You do see him getting shot in the head. You do see the the blowback uh, behind his head oh and him. God. You know. Getting, God damn. And here's the part that you missed. Because <laughs> that. Because I'm assuming he also cut the part where he makes the mom. Feed Georgie the pie. There is an extended law, a wide shot, and you can see all four of them in one shot. And so, what I'm describing to Rain, <laughs> and I will now describe to you, the listener, is he has propped up the children using twigs and branches and um, as if they are eating and having a picnic, and these children are dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you see. Georgie with his leg, right? Or not Georgie, uh, Grumpy with his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, you see Georgie with his head, half of his head gone, the top of his head gone. Uh, and they're being, again, propped up. And and he is, Jack is making the mother act as if they're alive and feeding them pie. And oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get to the less fun part, at least to me anyway, is when he started hunting the mom, right? I, I It was kind of anticlimactic to me, right? You already shocked me. So, yeah. to me, there was nowhere to go but, but down right, right from that, uh, which was fine. The point of it was um, he had mentioned the order in which you're usually hunting deer. Deer, right? Yeah. you you. It's traditional. Well, not really traditional, but it's smarter to go for the smaller one first, um, then the mother, and then the middle one, right? I don't remember the order. <laughs> But I do believe he he got he got to accomplish the order. I do think that the mother was last, and I thought the mother was supposed to be last in the. Yeah, in the I think that's what I think. Yeah, I think you go backwards. So that you was go, so that was the point of the whole thing. And what, yeah, because he, he told Verge my family was moving out of order. Right, and which is supposed to make you chuckle, right? Um, and it it doesn't because you're terrified for these people. Yeah, but he was making a joke. Right, he's like, and my family's running in the wrong order, right? Jesus Christ! I yeah. know, and dude. Th- so I know, man. There's so much about this that, like, we're not even <sighs> the part you're so upset about yet. Which part? We're not even to the part you're upset about yet. We're not done with Grumpy yet. Oh, you mean okay? That didn't bother me as much as really. No, okay. okay. So the part that Jeremy thinks upsets me more than anything is. Jack mentions taxidermy, mm-hmm. and he had moved Grumpy into a part of the walk-in freezer that I'm assuming is not cold. It's not as cold. So the the rigor mortis hadn't set in yet, or hadn't. Uh, he waits for the rigor mortis to go away because eventually it goes away. Oh, okay. Uh, and he didn't want the body to freeze yet because he wanted to. Um, manipulate the body into an expressive sort of like statuesque 
sort of estate. And mm-hmm. what we get in the extended is a little small, like maybe 30 more seconds of him working on it. Mm-hmm. And so like him propping up the eye, eyelids, him making the smile, him, you know. The point of it was he didn't want Grumpy to be grumpy anymore, you know. Yeah. It, and so it is horrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. You also get longer shots of uh, of Georgie afterward. Because I'm assuming he, he sews his leg back together. He does, kind of. I mean, it's kind of cocking under the side or whatever, but he spent less time on that. He spent more time on the face and the arms so he can wave. Yeah, so so that didn't bother me. I can't believe that didn't bother you. That bothered me more than the other stuff did. No, no, no. Him killing kids, that bugged me more than anything. But him mutilating the body afterward didn't. That's interesting because it bothered me more. And well, it, well, it didn't, I wouldn't say it bothered <laughs> me because none of this bothers me because it's not real. But, well, yeah, no, I, I think I think it was because at that point, it was uh, Grumpy is already dead, right? And what more could he do to him? And I was, and I was still kind of more just like, holy fuck, I can't believe he just killed two kids. Yeah. Like, so, like, so when you warned me about this, yeah. And you said, like, he's, he's going to straight up kill these kids. Yeah. I figured, okay, the cut, we're probably not, it's probably not even going to look that bad. I figured it'd be like, you know, like a, like when you watch The Breakfast Club on TBS kind of cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they got away with a lot more than I thought in the rated R version. Yeah. Um, like, Jesus Christ. It's just you're not allowed to see the initial, the actual thing that does it, you know? Which I think is... You know, this is going to be a sidebar about the movie-making business as a whole, but, like, I think it's kind of crazy because, you know, there's fucking, you know, Deadpool. So you think the very idea would be enough? Just the idea was there? You might as well just show the whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, like, if, if... That's fine with me. Like, if... Like, it's, um... You know, it's like a, uh... It's like... I mean, I know you don't really care for these movies, but it's like Star Wars Episode Three. Mm-hmm. You know, when Anakin kills the younglings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know he's going to do it. At that point, George, just fucking show us. Okay. Like interesting. It's uh, more so for me just to get over it. Like I, I gotcha. So it's the very idea of it for you is enough, so the visuals won't be as bad. That makes sense with your um, your idea of him taxidermying. That's not a verb, I don't think. But uh, him mutilating George, uh, Grumpy's body afterward. Yeah, at that point, it was like... It, it, Grumpy- was, already, it was already done. He was already dead. It was already dead. That was it. Uh, yeah, it was... Yeah. So, but... It got dad a little bit. Because when I showed up, he was like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, because, man, like, even though you don't see Georgie's head get blown off, I, I was like, oh, fuck. It does. Uh, like, it's like JFK blown off. Because I, like, I see his little head in the scope, and <sighs> then we cut to Jack, and then you just see, boom. How old would you say the kids were? Uh, I would say Georgie probably... Nine or ten? I was thinking, yeah, eight or nine. Okay. And I would say Grumpy was... Oh, Grumpy was young. He was about... I would say he was four or five. Well, no, maybe five or six. Yeah, five or six. I would say five or six. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Which, okay. <laughs> I, which, even I, though... I asked you because I knew it would bother you. That's why I Even though, like, you. I said this out... Like, even though, like... Like, fucking it. You see Georgie's arm bit off. Yeah. Like, that didn't even bother me. No, because you know that can't happen. I think... I think you well, know true. that... You yeah. know, you can take a gun to anyone and that's going to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no clown in the storm drain. But no. there is a psychopath with a gun out there somewhere. So that's I think true. that's probably your... Yeah, th- and yeah. that's why I like this movie so much. Yeah, right? that because there, that stuff bothers me. That stuff scares me. Like the, the, That there is this 
realism yeah. to to the fiction we're seeing. Even yes, even with the whole surrealism of him not getting caught, you know, with mm-hmm. the the dumb luck and coincidence of the first incident with where he put the car. Yeah, right? That he it put was it directly on the line of jurisdiction. That he didn't realize at first. That he didn't know he did that, right? Yeah. And so the the cops literally couldn't see it. Um, legally could not see that car mm-hmm. because it wasn't in either of their jurisdictions. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. And the fact that it just so happens Sonny never mentioned anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No one ever asked Sonny about anything or even if they did, Sonny never brought it up to Jack ever again. Yeah. Right? And so it's it's the that sort of surrealism mixed with this you know, whew, in your face realism of these murders that I got to see full frontal that you didn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, you didn't get to see it. I know uh, you're bummed out, but no, fuck that, no, um, dude. So, um, so I also there the, the other incident I really want to talk about, mainly more so of the 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 the, the, the framing and the storytelling of that incident is incident four. Okay, simple was simple. Yeah. So Riley Co. Yeah, she's also yeah. I, I love Riley Co. She is. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Uh, she is in the Girlfriend Experience, the first season. She's um, also stars. in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. That is correct. She's uh, the one that falls in love with Nux. She was in um, It Comes at Night. Uh, I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff. She's brilliant. I'm a huge fan of hers. She was also in Logan Lucky as well. If you saw <sighs> Logan Lucky, um, I've been trying to see that forever. It's so good. Anyway, um, I said no bacon. I love. Riley Cup. So, so, go ahead. So, so the thing that really stuck out to me with this incident was that not necessarily that Jack was experimenting, well, sort of experimenting with how do I get from here into their house? So he uses the crutch. That was brilliant. To be less disarming. To be disarming. In another way, we could from what I had mentioned, they could see Glenn Gould. Mm-hmm. Verge could see the crutch. Because like, yeah, when did you get the crutch? Exactly. He was like, um, he could see it because Jack didn't mention it out loud. Mm-hmm. So this is another sort of um, example of they see what we see. Right. Which is so strange, right? But anyway, go ahead. So, well, the only question I really had about this, and maybe you can answer it, is he must have been seeing Simple for some time. Yeah. Because, you know, when he first gets into the house, she's like, you know, I don't like the way you look at me. Like, it, like, I don't remember what she said. Uh, you know, then he goes into the other room. Yeah, this was his example of of love. Because uh, Bruno, uh, Bruno, I keep calling him Bruno Gatz, because that's his name. But uh, Verge. Verge mentions him about love, and he said, I had love once. And here's the, here's that example, right? Oh, uh, that, that, um... And it was that uh, he was simple. Yeah, that he was attached to her more than uh, a psychopath should have been. Right. Um, even though it doesn't seem that way because he's so mean to her. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like when they're drinking together and he just starts berating her and belittling her and yeah. calling and her stupid. Which I mean, she is kind of stupid, but I mean that that's no reason to call her stupid oh, all yeah. the time. Especially when he gets to the part where you know she's like, you know, I don't even know what you do, and he's like, you know, I kill people. I've killed sixty people. Yeah. You know, and then he goes on and you know, I killed sixty-one people. Well, you said sixty-one, or you said sixty. <laughs> yeah. It was 60 an hour ago. 
it's going to be 61. Yeah. And she wasn't getting it. Right. Like, I was like, I, like, sat up. I was like, bitch, he's about to kill you. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of there. That's a fun little phone toy she had in her house, too. I, I know. I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was kind of cool, but I don't, I don't know why she had it in her house. But, um, um, but I really love, and this was a cool part in the trailer, too, when, um, so people who, you know, haven't seen the movie, you can at least see the trailer and it's yeah. really good. But um, when he's asking her, you know, if you want to scream... You, I would definitely do it. Yeah, go ahead. And then she does, and he just like... You know why? Because nobody wants to help. And he's just screaming this. And this is another surrealistic moment where, you know, he has had plenty of time to get caught at this point in just this scenario alone. Oh, yeah. yeah especially with uh, the two incidents... In, in this incident with the cop. Right. You know, so, you know, so he creeps her out. Because yeah. apparently uh, drawing uh, incision cuts around her boobs mm-hmm. was her line, finally. Not the fact that he openly admitted to killing 60 people. Right. It was him drawing lines around her boobs. I was like, nope, you're weird. I got to get out of here. And so she tells the cop, you know, my friends killed 60 people, even 61. Like, I need help. And then he even repeats it. Yeah. Everything she just told you is true. I've yep. killed 60 people. Right. But he just like, they're drunk. Yeah. And then the, the final incident, and I know you know it, yep. uh, and obviously the listeners. Uh, so he kills Simple. He does. Um, and I knew. We see him tear it off in the... Uh, in the unru- uh, Thank God. Because I really did not want to see that. Yeah. I didn't want to see kids getting killed. Uh-huh. I especially did not want to see this poor girl... Getting her boobs cut off. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. Because I knew those incision lines were going to come back later. Yeah. He's doing it. I mean, he's not going to do it just to do it. You know? Yeah. He's, and so, he's going to do it for a reason. So we we do see him carve into it and, and tear halfway, and then it cuts. So um, you didn't get to see any of that. I didn't. Now I'm glad I don't get to see it. All right. Um, but then, you know, he boldly walks outside, sees the cop talking to someone, and just slaps the one he's already cut off on the cop's car and walks away. Yeah. Like... Almost like he's intentionally, like kind of like Ver- Verge brings up is, was it a come and catch me? Kind yeah. of, you know, when he was a kid and he would hide in the reeds. In the reeds, right. Which, okay. Sidebar. Okay. Because I, I really, I, I need, I need. This movie has a lot. I, I need, I need an answer for okay. this. Sure. Tell me that Lars von Trier did not have this little boy cut a duck's pad off. No. <laughs> You're not allowed it, to do that in any country. Because so. it looked so fucking real. I know, right? And it looked so effortless, and the duck is just freaking the fuck out. Yeah, they probably, what they did was they probably, you know, like maybe tied something to his foot or something. I don't know. I don't know what they did, but I know that, no, it's it's probably just sleight of hand. He's holding it, but he has a fake duck thing in between his fingers, and he just cut. It's easy, you know? Yeah, dude, because uh, I, I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, but you cut that duck's foot off, and you're like, holy shit. Um... I know, and that kid is great. I don't know who. Well, I don't know who that kid well, is. Well, that kid has no lines too. I know. He well, just looks weird. Yeah, he does look very strange, and you know, he he, he reminds me of the young kid that played Forrest Gump in Forrest Gump. He does look a lot like that. <laughs> right? I, you know, like if you had told me like that kid grew up, had a son, and that's who that son is, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, because he did look a lot like that. Yeah. I would say they could be twins, but um, just two different times. Yeah, I mean, God, <laughs> they look so similar. You're exactly right. I didn't even think about that. Uh, okay, no, he did not really cut the the no, duck's yeah, foot dude, off. In it, real life, they can't do that in any country, especially in 
in like you know first world countries like Denmark. You yeah, because man, like I know I, I mean I sat there. I'm like I'm sure he didn't. I was like, but, but it looks really real. Yeah, it and looks fucking real. Well, and he, he didn't stand that woman's face off either with the asphalt. Well, but that no, looks real too. Well, see that I, okay, <laughs> I know it's it's the fact it. It's ha- when it's happening to an animal. That's when I'm like, okay, is this like if it's not blatant? That's why I asked you in, right. in Cool Hand Luke. Tell me they didn't actually use a dead dog. Yeah, yeah, know. and that one it's similar. I mean, you got to just find ways to get around it. Yeah, um, but yeah, it looks really real, and he's really good at that to making well, things look I, so real that. And I had a feeling he, that something was going to happen to this duck because I saw it in the trailer. I was like. Something is going to happen to this duck. I figured he was going to go for the head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, he's going to cut the duck's head off. But then Hereditary when he, style. But then when he goes for the pad, I was yeah. like, it's like this fucking little shit. Yeah. And then he puts it back in the river to watch it swim around in circles. I want your opinion on... Um, I don't know if you because I love this. I love this this uh, the sequence in in the film is the the, the mowing the mowing of the meadow oh, with, the, with the scythes with the scythes. I like the sound. Yeah. Sound was very calming. Yeah, you know, and I and I get the point of Jack saying why he'd like to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I do like the sound because we get a call back in the in the epilogue. Yes, um, which, which is so strange that it was that it's there. We'll get there. Sorry. I, we keep teasing. Uh, we'll get there. So, <laughs> so so he does. And the, the strangest part of Incident 4 is this is now when we start talking about the value of icons. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. He gets very deep into that. Right. And I wish I could remember the type of plane he's talking about. Uh, it's, a, it's a... Oh, shit. I know. So... And I do know that, yes, it is not a design flaw. It is designed to make that sound. It is psychological warfare. And it starts with an S. They are, it was dive bombers in the, during World War II were designed to make that screeching sound. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that is true. So, um, and this is kind of where it's like, you know, this is what Lars meant when he said he understood. <laughs> uh, he understood Hitler because he understood. And I'm not condoning. I'm not saying he's right for saying that because he's wrong for saying that because that's terrible. But um, what he means is, you know, he he used his his charisma and his ideas for bad things. But he had ideas and charisma. Now the Stuka, thank you. The Stuka bomber. Yeah. Um, and this really gets under the skin of Verge. Verge yeah. is just like what the f- like. You're a monster. <laughs> you know? He calls him an antichrist at one point. <laughs> yeah. Because um, then he starts talking about you know the, I, and I don't know if this is true or not. The the architectural integrity of these of these buildings were designed to look like ruins. I don't know if that's true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't know if a lot of this is true. I'm I, not an architect. I do love the the story behind that. I don't know if it's true again, because we, you know, we meaning America 
took it all down. Yeah. You know, we didn't leave it. You know, the, these uh, these Nazi buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we pretty much blew it all up. But if if it is true, it's a it's really neat. I, I like the idea. Of I mean, yeah, they the, wanted they wanted the the Nazi buildings in a thousand years to look like. The, the ruins the, of Greece, right? Rome. The Roman ruins, right? Yeah. And uh, that's really interesting because um, it's an icon. I a part of me kind of believes it, mm-hmm. since you know Hitler did want a thousand year right, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I couldn't because at the same time Hitler is Hitler, and right? Because I mean, it's well. You know, I like the idea of putting stronger materials with weaker ones, so the weaker ones will decay. go way over, decay over time, yeah. and the stronger ones will remain, and it will look resemble like a ruin, even though you purpose it's man-made, basically. Right, right, right. Um, I thought that was interesting, and then he starts getting into, you know, you know, the Holocaust was sort of an icon, right? And we're just like, ah, oh, knock it off. Yeah, and no. I I will say I didn't. That was hard to watch because you I had d- real footage. I of didn't. Yeah, I was. I that was the only part I turned away. I was like, no, Ooh, I know no. it's tough because they show like real footage of, from World War Two of, of the the exodus of the the Jews, of the and, Jews the, and the bodies from the concentration camps. Mm. And then they talk about that tree in that concentration camp, which I thought was really cool. And yeah, I can't think of the tree. <laughs> Because it, it was the tree that a, um, I think a German poet go, used go, to used how, to used to write under that tree, and now that tree, which was the symbol of all of this life, uh, from these writings and all this beauty and all you know this freedom of this of this writing, is now in the middle of this concentration camp. And I don't mm. know if that's true either. Um, if it is, that's very cool, right? And if it's not, great story, you know. Yeah. Um, but then we start getting into, which I think we alluded to earlier, if not on Mike off Mike, uh, <laughs> um, now we get his his meta commentary on himself, where right. we get the atrocities we commit in our fiction are there because we we know we can't do it in real life, uh-huh. and then we start getting. For anything from Europa to Dogville, Dancer in the Dark, Breaking the Waves, uh, The Kingdom, Antichrist, Melancholy, and Nymphomaniac. We get scenes from all of his movies. That are hyper-violent. Really violent. Yeah, like uh, in Necrophilia, not Necrophilia, Nymphomaniac Part 2, because I had to look it up, because Jamie Bell is only in Part 2. He was only in Part 2. Like, brutally spanking I'm assuming the main character of the Charlotte yeah yeah her and name's then, Joe in the movie but her name is Charlotte I don't remember her last name I'm but sorry. you know her not to get too vulgar here but her ass is already covered in bruises but Jamie Bell is just yep going to town with yep. a some sort of belt or something it was a um a a cat of nine tails she made herself Jesus Christ yeah and uh, a, she she put every knot in there, you know. She is paying for this service, by the way. If you watch the movie, I kind of don't now. Okay, I really don't. I think you should. I think it's great. And I, I and as you said, as you've said on Mike numerous times, I don't want to see Shia LaBeouf's penis. Oh, you don't? Have you said it on Mike? I don't, I don't know. So. I mean, but now like, now it's on here. Yeah, you get to see Shia LaBeouf's penis. Oh, or have to, whatever. I mean, if it's a chore, Jesus. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
I'm just saying it's there if you want to say it. Um, anyway, so this, we get this meta commentary that um, that Lars von Trier is, is presenting for himself. He's saying, you know, these are the things I've presented in my own fiction, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's really, really cool. When I, when I saw it for the first time, which unfortunately was at my house, and I'll get to that story later. <laughs> I was supposed to see it at the Alamo Draft House in Lubbock, and that was a fiasco. Anyway, we'll get there. So I was just like, "Wow, that's that's his stuff." I, at first, I, I recognized *Nymphomaniac* and *Antichrist* and *Melancholia* and *Dogville*, and I was like, "Are they all his?" You know. And then when I looked it up, they were all his. I hadn't seen all of his stuff yet. Uh, I've seen half of *Europa*. Um, I fell asleep because <laughs> it was I always I always pick things that I really want to watch when I'm about to go to bed <laughs> and I'm like I'm tired I need to turn this off and go to bed anyway. see that's why I pick movies I've seen before right before I go to bed yeah sometimes I can't do it sometimes I'm like I don't want I want to watch this you know <laughs> anyway. um, and you know I, I love Dogville very much um, I love Dancer in the Dark I love Breaking the Waves and so um, so it all accumulates to this and along the way, with each of these incidences, we kind of get some sort of idea, number one, who he's talking to, number two, where he is. Yeah, because it's right before incident three with the kids where he he says he's having a hard time breathing. Yeah, he, he, um, he doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. And Verge and- quotes The Doors, um, do you want me to show you the way to the next whiskey bar, which is uh, whiskey... Uh, it's Alabama um, whiskey bar song. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's it's on their first album. It, it's the one of, it's one of my favorite Doors songs that has a great organ to it. Um, sidebar is a different movie, but uh, in the world's end with Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. and when they realize what the hell is going on, mm-hmm. and they're trying to act casual, mm-hmm. they're walking to the beat of the organ, like, and they're just like, boom, ba, boom, yeah. ba, boom, ba, boom, ba, show me the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. And, and, and he's like, it's the, it's the sulfur or the acid or something you're tasting. Yeah, he said acid, yeah. The yeah, because I was tasting. like, so I assumed. The acid in your mouth you're tasting. Yeah, I assumed that Jack was in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, I wasn't visualizing what we see in the epilogue. Yeah. Oh, no one was. And that's, I, and that's sort of the deal. I, I assumed he was in prison. Mm-hmm. I assumed he got he finally got caught. And <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was, like, the thing. Uh, but I was like, oh, they're, like, acid-dipping him. <laughs> that's weird. Know. I don't know why you thought that is. I but I, I understand. I, I, I Because you he, weren't thinking where he was, right? I assumed he was some... I... I I'll be honest, how you described the movie to me initially, and what I read on the synopsis on IMDb and the trailer, I assumed, okay, he eventually gets caught. Mm-hmm. He's in prison, and he's telling someone his story. Right. That's what I thought it was. Technically, you're right. So, But he just wasn't in prison. Right. We'll get there. Yeah. We have one more incident to go, and it was one that I was so disappointed I didn't get to see the outcome of. <laughs> I'll be honest, I... Right? Does that? I know it makes I, me a terrible person, but... I, 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 I prefer not to watch people die. Right. Even of if course. it's fake, but... But this one, I mean, he just I, had it... He, he especially, had it especially this is his more... Um, I felt like this is more... His, he, he, he wasn't as... I had the word... Almost, he almost got sloppy. He did with this almost one. get sloppy, and... Well, he... he not almost. He got sloppy yeah. with this one. So... Incident number five. 
Um, we open on which he and- we should point out that by this point, Virgil thinks these incidents are just all about women. Right. The stupid women, quote right. unquote. And he's like, why did you pick all these stupid women to tell me about? You know, and he goes, what are you talking about? These are, I've killed men too. Fine. Here's one. Right. You yeah. know, because he's like, I've killed everybody. I've killed everything. You know what yeah, I mean? Especially he's killed kids. Yeah. I mean, here. I'll, fine. Here. I'll give you this example. And we, we open with him, uh, which is, I think, the most unrealistic because with the training this guy has, there's no way he would have let Jack take him. But this army... Uh, this army ar- man, yeah. army guy. Yeah, he's he's in his fatigues, right? Or he's in a uniform, right? I think his yeah. dress greens. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just his shirt, his pants, and you can see his dog tags. Yeah, almost like Jack took him right when he was changing. Right, and so, um, handcuffs him, puts him in the back of his van, gets him out of the van, takes him to Prospect Avenue, so we know he's going to the walk-in freezer, and then we see what he's working on. He is working on. A, a line of heads. <laughs> mm. So it's four other men that he's got, right? Yeah, I think four. Um, and they're all lined up kneeling with their necks. <laughs> on on a bar. On this metal bar, which, I mean, they must be stuck to by now because it's cold in there. Yeah. Um, and they're spaced out to where all of their heads are, are all in a row. Like they're not, and, it, and it's right. And it's kind of notched. So, so, so one guy on the left, then one guy on the right, and then right. I mean, they're yeah, exactly. One on one end, one on the other, and it goes back and forth like that. So when they lean forward, their heads are straight in a row in a line. Right. And he has his rifle <laughs> propped up so he can see if this bullet can go through all of their heads at once with one shot. And he specifically says, I'm going to use one bullet. Yep. Full metal jacket. That's right. He's like, because I don't think I'll be able to do this with just a regular hunting round. Right. This full metal jacket, and he always use, has the capacity to pass through all of your heads with one shot. And that's when the army guy goes, excuse me, sir. There's been a misunderstanding. And Jack's like, I hear that all the time. Just shut your mouth. It'll all be over soon. And he goes, no, no, no. That's not a full metal jacket bullet. And, yeah, and he's, he tells him, look at it. Look at it. And he looks and, at it. Goes, Damn it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. And he looks at the box, and the box is full metal jacket. And he's like, the box is mislabeled. God damn it. <laughs> you know? And now he's frustrated, upset, and he goes back to Al's. Which we should point out that he was there, and he turned Simple's other breast into a wallet. Yeah. I thought it was kind of fucked up. Well, it is, and it's it also lends to the surreal moment that no one notices, right? Yeah. Um, but we think they do. And hang on. So we okay. get, and I forgot his last name, but his name is also Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, Al. Yeah, which is funny because uh, at dinner tonight, uh, uh, when I was telling Kinsey about the movie, um, she looked up the cast and... He was uh, in Justified. Yes. She was like, oh, yeah. Was he in- plays Dickie. He's, uh, yeah, he plays Dickie in Justified. And, and I- he, he has played um, Charles Manson. In really? the remake of Helter Skelter, and one of his co-stars in Justified, Jeremy Davies. Thank you. Uh, and one of his co-stars in Justified, who plays a uh, devil, um, De- uh, Dewey Crow. They call him Devil. Uh, Dewey Crow plays Charles Manson in both Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and in Mindhunter. So ah. I know. So that's kind of a fun aside. And I will sidebar. Jeremy Davis. I'm a big fan I, I wanted I wanted to talk about just this just like little smidgen. Fine. 
I was a little disappointed that we didn't get more Charles Mansion and, and Once Upon a Time. In oh, okay. did you? I, want, I wanted a little bit okay. more. Can I tell you? Um, <laughs> get to episode five on Mindhunter season two, mm-hmm. you get a whole scene. And he looks just like him. It's crazy. They must have done some digital stuff up here because the beard is full and his hair is... Yeah, because you know, the, the version we see him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I guess, is Now he's younger. And yeah. No, but this guy's got the full beard. I mean, he looks just like him. And it's the same actor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's the same guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so so he goes back to Al's. He goes back to Al's. Jeremy Davies, whom I love so much. And And I I do like the the lead up. You know, Al, never yelled at you before. (laughs) I know. I'm about to now. It is. It's and that made me laugh out loud, like it just did just now. Because I just I love that I've never yelled at you, but I'm sure as hell about to. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, he and and to me, this I felt like okay, this is like every person in retail's worst scenario. Yeah. So Jack is just laying into him. What does this box say? Thirty odd six. You're right, thirty odd six. But what else does it say? It says Full Metal Jacket. He, Dumps all the bullets out. Those are hunting rounds. I wanted full metal jacket. And then as a retail person myself, you know, Al's kind of quote unquote training kicks in. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to need to see the receipt. And you could tell, you could visibly tell that Al is scared. He is. He's terrified. Uh, Yeah. Which makes you think that he see the wallet? Did he like he knows something's up with Jack, and I I love that Jack and Al know there is no receipt, right? Mm-hmm. He's never gotten a receipt. He says it. Al, I've never gotten a receipt here. What the fuck are you talking about? Right? Sorry. Also, he <laughs> then then Al wants to see his. I you know there's a new law. And I need to see your license. It's like I was just here. You know, what are you talking about? You just sold me this, yeah. Yeah. And then then Jack finally, you know, last ditch effort, just sell me one. Yeah. Why do you need one, right? It's none of your goddamn business why I need one. You know what? And it really wasn't. I agree with Jack there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It is none of your business, Jeremy Davies. All right? Yeah, so so then uh, then he just gives up at that point. He gives up and leaves. He goes to SPs, right? Which Al calls and warns. Yeah. Jack's on his way. Yeah. Or... Like or, uh, Jack is just here, or something. It's something around. Like you, you see him call and warn someone. You he tells someone, right? And yeah. it ends up being SP, right? And SP is is a friend of Jack's. I guess they've known each other for a long time. Yeah, they, he, they're hunting he, buddies. I guess even yeah. though Jack doesn't like to hunt, um, which again I still maintain. He was not lying when he says he does not believe in hunting animals. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he, he walks right into SP's little RV. Like, Owls. Owls lost his mind. <laughs> and then SP turns around with a fucking hand. I, I'm, I'm about to, I almost used the reference uh, term in Destiny, like video game. Oh, I, I was going to say hand cannon oh, from. Uh, That's what I was going to say. Oh, I was, but uh, from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right. See, I'm, I won't lie. I was about to say it. And I'm like, I don't want to say it wrong, and I don't want Jeremy to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, hand cannon is from Pulp Fiction. To me, it's from Pulp Fiction. But anyway, okay. yeah, it's huge, right? It's yeah. like a it's like a Smith and Wesson 300 or something like that. You know, yeah. it's nuts. It's huge. And I and I and I want to point out that he is standing there SP and a wife beater and a red I love that red robe robe it's a, yeah. it's a hooded robe too it's, yeah. it's a hood on it and um, and we're like oh shit they finally got him but when 
Yeah, that when I was like, okay, what the fuck are they talking about when SP reveals, like, you're going to sit right there and we're going to wait for the cops. I was like, oh. Oh, they got him. <laughs> and then he was like, you know, who'd you, you know, I, I know about the robberies, Jack. And both the audience and Jack are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is something I, I kind of wish they would have touched on a little bit. Yeah. Because I wanted a little bit more. Like, okay, why Why do you think Jack was... I, I, I think I can shed light on this. Okay. Uh, I, I, would think, like, I would like that. I think what... there. I bet you there has been robberies and they're finally noticing Jack acts weird. Right, mm-hmm. and they are putting those two things together, which they're not related. Right, right? Jack's acting weird because he's a serial killer, not a robber. And so they, what I believe the backstory would have been is there have been a string of robberies going on. Jack's acting super weird. He's bothering Al now. That now I have proof. He's bothering Al about these rounds. Mm-hmm. Right, it must be him. So even though, why would you? Need one Full Metal Jacket round. SP to... didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I just love that they just call him by these initials, SP, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't know who he is. It's very Von Trayer to do that. Um, just introduce this character that we should. Yeah, well, introducing characters with one initial. Like, they, they usually don't have full names. Um, mm-hmm. This happens a lot in Nymphomaniac. Uh, a lot of it is because she wants to keep things, you know, anonymous and she doesn't want to, you know, talk about you know, people, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she calls them by their first initial. Okay. And this is kind of the same thing where it says SP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the editing of that scene. So you see at one point Jack has a knife under yeah, the table, yeah, but yeah. in the next shot it's gone. Like mm-hmm. you know, he's not it's not in his hands anymore. Right? And he is like getting coffee from him with the hand he just had the knife in. And you can see his other one. So it's like, where's the knife? So it's really it's supposed to, I guess, maybe disorient you. Like, does he really have the knife? Mm-hmm. Did I imagine that? What's going on? Yeah. Right? And it's a big old hunting knife too. Oh yeah. And man, when that goes up his mouth, that was crazy. Yeah. That was I, cool. I, well, I knew. I was like, he's going to he's gonna fucking kill well, SP. Well, going to kill SP. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's going to ruin everything, Rain. So <laughs> so he pulls up that knife, and he, he stabs him up his jaw. So, you know, so you could see the knife in his open mouth. Oh, I didn't see. I was just like, oh, yep, yeah, SP's dead. Yeah, it was nuts. And, you know, um, then he... He grabbed his robe, so when the cop comes in, he thinks it's SP, right? It's classic ruse. Yeah, then he turns around and lays, like, three rounds into the cop. (sighs) A lot of rounds. And then... He finally goes back. Now, we we haven't mentioned why he's in such a big hurry is because these guys are going to freeze to death. Yeah, and I I will say, I do like his little line. Don't die on me, gentlemen. Don't die on me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, almost like, we got important work to do. (laughs) Don't die on me. And he does give him a blanket because he doesn't want them to die yet. Yeah. Right? He needs them to be alive to see if this works. Right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't take into the consideration that they're that cold has an effect on the body. And so like it's not gonna simulate the same effects as if you were outside. Again, just an aside. Okay, so he finally gets back, he finally says are we in agreement that this is a full metal jacket? And and the military man's like, yes, sir, but don't do this. It's like, and then he's like, don't do that. Oh, okay, shut up. Yep. Okay, cool. It's a full metal jacket. We got it. Okay. And, and I'd like to point out that he drive the he so he 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 gets his van stuck and he drives a fucking cop car back. Yep. With the fucking siren blaring. Yep. 
And he doesn't turn off the sign. Doesn't turn it off. And we do cut to it a few times, right? Mm. And now we're supposed to be, now since we've cut to it a few times, now we're nervous, which we shouldn't be. Because he's a bad guy. But anyway, I was nervous. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to get caught. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, yeah, I wasn't really getting nervous, but I was like, he's, he's done now. I was, I was. I was enjoying this too much, Rain. So uh, <laughs> every once in a while, we would cut to, as he's trying to get his shot ready, mm-hmm. right, uh, trying to line it up right, trying to get... Th- Trying to get the site to focus. He, we keep cutting back to the cop car with its door open and the lights are on and the sirens going. And eventually we hear more sirens, accompanying yep. sirens, right? Yep. And and we're like, oh, no, Jack, hurry. So um, so then. So he can't, he can't get the shot lined up because he's too close. He And then he finally decides, oh, if I get a longer thing, I can get more torque on this door handle and I can open it. And he finally opens the door. And that's when you remember, he told Verge he never got that door open. He said, you know, there was a door in there I never managed to get open. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but wait, that's open now. So what's going on, right? Yeah, because then he... he We must be getting close. Yeah, so he, he marks the new spot for the rifle. And he lines up his shot. And it's perfect. And it's Yeah, and then you hear, Jack? Jack. Yeah, which I was like... I, I was like, is that Verge? It is Verge. And yeah. so he turns he he turns the lights on, and which Verge he didn't just, have the light on before. Which yeah, which yeah, when he walked in, I was like, are you gonna turn the fucking light on? No, please. He doesn't need it. <laughs> um, yeah, but he flicks the light on. There's Verge just sitting in the corner. It's Bruno Gatz, and he's just standing. And Bruno Gatz, um, speaking of Hitler, uh, played Hitler in the movie Downfall. Huh. Uh, anyway, and he was also in, you know, um, Wings of Desire and a whole bunch of others. But, and he just passed away, which is very, very sad. Really? I, am a, I was a huge fan of his. And R.I.P. Bruno Gantz. Anyway. so well, And also uh, R.I.P. Peter Fonda. Oh, I know. I know. All right. Anyway, so, anyway, so Verge, Verge is sitting there. In the corner. Just sitting there. Right? And tells him, like, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I, I've, I've, I've been watching it. I've been watching it, and then we get cuts back to all the, the incidents, all the photographs he's taken, and Verge is back there in the corner. Which, if you do rewatch it, which I've done several times, he isn't. Oh yeah, no, they, those they, they, they put him in there, right? Yeah. Um, which I was really hoping he would be in the backgrounds of those. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be so cool that I didn't notice the first time, right? But he's not, unfortunately. But whatever. No. So then we finally discover who Verge is. Right. Well, kind of. Kind so, well, we should talk about. I, I, I really want to talk about. So during him telling Verge the incidents, you know, he is saying how he's been trying to build his dream home, his right. dream house, and we always get cuts of him getting really close. Yeah. So the first time he's using cinder block, and he's starting to get walls erected, and he's got a window, but then he feels like cinder block's not the right, so it's he tears working. it down. And then okay. When, when he says he wanted to use the the divine material. Well, you know, he's like, when I find the right material, the material does all the work, right? The material has a sort of will of its own, is what he says. Okay. And and he just hasn't found it. So he tried brick, he tried center block, he tried wood, he tried... And we see all of this getting knocked down, right? Yeah, and, the, and then he says the only thing he has finished is levels. Oh, yeah, and it was just the stairs, which it kind of looked kind of cool, but... Um, in this vacant lot and 
they kind of yada yada the inheritance, which is fine with me. I didn't really care yeah, how he got know, the money. I was able to do this with a sizable inheritance. Right. And that was it. That he could, which explains why, you know, he could try so many times and we don't need to worry about him having money because I don't care about that. Right. No. But anyway. Yeah. So then, you know, Verge tells him. Well, you have all the materials here. I mean, he well, he's <laughs> he goes, well, wasn't Jack going to build a house, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we get that shot of those stairs, uh, the last thing he built in that lot. And he goes, yeah, you know, I just I, I, yeah, I just never got I never I never got it done. You know, he goes, someone told me you have an interesting theory about the materials, you know, Jack, find the material. Let him do the work. And he, <laughs> turns out he had the material all along that he's been accumulating over the span of 12 years in that walk-in freezer. And so he builds a house out of bodies, the dead bodies that are which, in that freezer. I won't lie. I didn't necessarily see coming, but I knew the dead bodies had to play into the the house that Jack built. Yeah. I it, wasn't expecting a full house made out of dead it is bodies. A full, it is a full sort of like what you would think of as like a shed. Yeah. Is what it looks like, but it's made out of bodies, so who cares? But it is so cool. And you are, I mean, my jaw was hitting the floor when he started, like, uh, getting, like, the the tools or whatever and lifting the bodies and, you know, using cranes. And I, so I, uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming. I thought he was just trying to get the bodies out. Yeah. Of some, like, maybe just move them. And then when the that wide shot, I was like... Wow! Oh my God, he built his it's house. It's really impressive, and um, and all the while, cops are knocking at the door trying to open that metal door. And now they're 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 soldering through it. Yeah, and uh, Verge tells him to come inside. Yeah, because he says it's a very uh, usable house. Yeah, right, or something like that. He yeah. goes, "It's a you know, it's a it's a fine little house you've built here." You know, and and he walks in. He goes, "Follow me," and and, and there's a hole, and and. In, Which we didn't see yeah. a second ago. There, there is a hole, and when he drops down, then he says, um, "Oh, and then you know the cops have finally broken through and they're shooting at him." Well, they're, 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 yeah, their hand is through and they're shooting, right. but they're shooting the bodies. Right. Um, and when he finally drops down into this, it looks like a sewer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he asks. Are you allowed to speak along the way? Yeah, so that's when I was like, oh, we've come full circle. We have come, right. We have, now we are where we started. And it turns out, Virg is Virgil. Virgil is... He's, uh, he's an angel, isn't he? Uh, Virgil is a guide. Okay. Who, in Dante's Inferno, guides Dante through... Through the seven... La- seven... Seven circles of hell. Circle, yeah. And Jack is going to hell. And this entire time, you see, we have been with him on his journey with Verge through hell. Yes. Now, I will say, I don't suffer from claustrophobia at all. Tight spaces don't really bother me that much. Are we going to talk about the low-def uh, water scene? Jesus Christ. <laughs> this poor fucking cameraman. Oh, I know, right? Having to 
maneuver. I'm sure it probably was probably a, oh, a yeah. handheld it, it camera. It didn't look like anything. I mean, it, you know. maneuver in this fucking cave under and, and oh god, I looked at Ash because this is so Ashley hadn't watched the movie at all with me until this point. Oh man, she missed all the good stuff. And she was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "This needs to stop." I'm physically know, feeling uncomfortable. So this this whole epilogue. This is the epilogue. Yes, we finally made it. We're in the epilogue. So um, this epilogue mixes a lot of film styles. So it does have that low def sort of like Found shot. Footage. Yeah, shot on my phone sort of feel when mm-hmm. they're in that cave with the water and they're, you know, and then we have this super high speed slow motion of like walking through a bleeding room, right? And Where then, there's all this red, you know, and it's so slow and, you know, and he's very famous for this, uh, Von Trier. He's done mm-hmm. this in a lot of movies where it's this really just hyper, hyper slow-mo. Well, then it's, you know, then we get that scene with the boat. Yes, and actually... That it's reversed. I, I want to mention, um, it's based on, obviously, a painting mm-hmm. uh, of Virgil escorting Dante uh, ah. through the River Styx and uh, it's um, the Raft of the Medusa ah. um, oh, and he has a lot of names uh, Jean-Louis Andre Theodore Garrett I don't know and then uh, it's also based on La La Barque La oh, Jesus I'm gonna butcher <laughs> this it's in French I- anyway it's like the boat of Dante right it's okay. uh, anyway um and it is perfect. I mean, we're talking say the actors very... were staging and stuff. It is per- if you've seen the painting, it's perfect. Yeah, I did feel like that. I feel like that was a very beautiful shot. It I was is. like, that's fantastic. It was so good, man. Yeah. Um, so I should point out before I realized they were going through hell, and I hadn't figured out that Virgil was Virgil. Mm-hmm. When I realized, well, I figured out. Okay, well, I was like, oh, they're he's taking him into hell. Mm-hmm. So I thought of him, I thought Verge's, um, not necessarily death, but as like a reaper. Mm-hmm. And then, then it hit me. I was like, yeah. oh, he's Virgil. Virgil. So I've never read the Divine Comedy. Not even high school? We read that in high school. I did anyway. Uh, no, we never did. Okay. I want to because, uh, don't judge me, but I've played the game Dante's Inferno. I mean... Which is a very fucked up game. I mean, you told me not to judge you, so I'm going to try my best. Um, the game of Dante's Inferno obviously takes the book and twists it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is, from what I understand, correct, mm-hmm. but they twist the character of Dante. Mm-hmm. So in the in the game, he's not a poet. He's a crusader. Mm-hmm. And he, much like the book of Dante wanting to explore hell to look for Beatrice, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing, but... In the game, Dante and Beatrice are already married, and the devil takes Beatrice as payment for all the sins that Dante has committed in the Crusades. Um, yeah, the, but the game's fucked up. Like, especially uh, one of the opening acts of the game uh, are all the, like, aborted babies. Interesting. That was fucked up. Um, but no, so I've never read the Divine Comedy. I've always wanted to. I really... And... I mean, it's the the levels, the layers, right? He mm. calls them layers in the in the movie. Um, 
they're not. I mean, it's not to be booked perfect to the Dante's Inferno. Well, That's right, not what it right, is, right? right. right. Uh, actually, in one of the layers, when you walk, when they walk out to this waterfall, and there's this forest out there, mm-hmm. the cabin from Antichrist is right there. That you can ah. see, right? Um, and and Are I. You- Oh, I was gonna mention then when like they're looking out the window and they see the guys. And one of one of my favorite elements of that scene is that it's cold. You can see his breath. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you well, know, and, you, and, and it's cold. Well, because I know is. in the Divine Comedy they they say the closer you get to the final circle, it's cold. It's cold, right? Hell is cold. It's not hot, right? And um, and then we finally get to the broken bridge. And um, mm-hmm. and this is where Jack's narcissism and hubris fails him, finally. Yes, yeah. Because I had a feeling, I figured on the other side of the broken bridge, it takes us deeper into hell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I was hoping Jack would ask, where does that go? Yeah. And he does. He does. And Virgil says, well, Vir- Virgil. Virgil. Um, says that leads out of hell. And up. And up. Yeah. So we're to assume, you know, if you know the Divine Comedy, the next up is uh, Purgatory. Get, yes, Purgatory, and then it's Heaven. I would assume they just probably meant it's Heaven. See, I was under the impression that he gets to keep going and it's Earth again, you know, or it's you know back to the living. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Maybe. I mean, either way, but yeah. um. But the bridge is broken. I really love that Verge now sort of has this kinship with Jack. And he said, you know, I I brought you here as kind of a favor. Uh, You you actually did entertain me with your stories. And you did get my attention. So you said you wanted to see everything. Here's this, you know. Yeah, this is the. You're actually a couple of circles up. And he actually is kind of he kind of makes a backhanded joke like surprisingly you're you're up you're not down <laughs> you're a couple levels up, but um, uh, and he was just you know like we'll sit here for a few minutes and then when you're ready we'll go, you know. But then but Jack wants to he wants to go up right he, he wants to is, see what's up. Isn't it possible to to climb the wall around to the other side? And Verge says yes, many have tried, none have done it. None have done it. <laughs> he's, I mean, and he's just like, no one has succeeded. If you go, it is your choice. I don't recommend it. Yeah, he even says that. He says, I wouldn't recommend it, but it is your choice. It is your choice. And I will say as a, I kind of like that because I've always seen the handshake as a sign of respect, mm-hmm. even if you don't like the person. Right. And so, you know, he shakes Verge's hand says, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And he, you know, and I was so disappointed Oh, I knew he was going to fall. Because, well, no. I mean... Oh, oh sorry. Did I just ruin it? No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was disappointed that our journey with Verge had ended. You know? Yeah, I really loved Virgil. Yeah, because he says, you know, after Jack starts climbing, he says, bye, Jack. <laughs> bye, Verge. And he turns around and walks away. Yep. And um, Zach and I, Verge is what makes the movie for us. Um, yeah, I feel like if it was obviously without Verge, we don't have narrative, right? Well, we, I mean, we Jack don't have could, exposition. Yeah, I mean, Jack could still narrate, but I feel like if it was just Jack narrating right. these stories, it wouldn't have the same impact as if he were bouncing it off of something, right? And so he does end up climbing. I think it's about halfway, mm-hmm. and then he realized. Yeah, I, 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 I saw him. I was like, he's realizing, I'm not going to make and it. And he's not going to any falls, and that's it. Now I'd like to point out that. 
earlier on in uh, the second incident when he takes the picture of the lady oh. <clears throat> about the negative. Right, the, the demonic quality of the light. Because mm-hmm. as soon as he falls and we can't see him as he's falling... It flips, it the flips to the negative. And then we get to see the demonic quality. I'm really glad you mentioned that and you brought that up. Yeah. Good job, Rain. Um, we get to see the demonic quality of the light of hell, right? Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to black. We get hit the road, road jack. jack. And don't come back. The whole credits. Yep. Not just a maybe a little two minute. No. The entire credits is the entire song. Credits weren't that long. Anyway, um, and that's the house of Jack built. And I... God, man, I was so sad when it ended. I just wanted to keep going and going and going. Because I love the movie so, so much. So, as I told you off mic, I felt like the movie was much longer than it was. See, and I felt the exact opposite because they split it up, you know? Uh, it doesn't seem, it still doesn't seem that long to me. I Because they split it up in the incidents. Yeah. See, I, I, liked, I liked the incidents. Because to me, it feels like almost like episodics and it and von Trayer is very good at that um he splits most of his movies up into chapters like them yeah see because it, it kind of makes me th- like that's why i love it when when quentin does that in you know pulp fiction and jack he doesn't jackie brown right no no he doesn't do it jackie brown. he doesn't in glorious bastards and i love that because i feel like we're you know we're, we're getting the same story but from a different perspective right granted this this one is all from the same perspective but at different points right and I will say I don't like when we know it happens Mm -hmm. he just says these are my five random instances yeah of yeah and so and I like that we don't that we, we we have to use references to figure out mainly just the time period of, of what's taking place. Yeah. Um, I mean, I believe, you know, starting from the first incident onward, it is chronologically linear. Like, he doesn't, well, right, yeah. he doesn't jump back and forth. He yeah. said, I'll start on my first one. I'll start on, like, my fourth or third one. And then I'll start, and then I'll go on to, like, my... 60th one and then I'll go on right so it is linear because obviously it's the first one to the last one right um, but he doesn't jump around like I would and then, yeah. oh yeah and then there was that one but that was before that one he doesn't do that it's it's you know yeah I, I probably would have done that myself I mean not about killing people just oh. in, in terms of my storytelling I, I would have jumped around jump back and forth just yeah. just because that's how memory works you know yeah. one jogs another and then you're like oh yeah but that right right so um but I, I felt like that helped break it up. And it also, you know, which was a bummer, made for me, made the movie not seem that long. And so... No, see, I, I thought the opposite. So when we get to Incident 4 with Simple, I I figured, I was like, man, I, I think I've gone through a pretty good chunk of movie. And I paused it just for a second, just to grab a drink. And I looked at the time on my Apple TV, and I was like, I still have a full hour left? Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Did you not feel that way about Stalker? Stalker's just as long? No, actually. Oh, interesting. Which is weird. That is weird. Um, and, and I was actually paying more attention to the time of Stalker, because... I was like, oh no, I'm not going to like this movie. Like so I was how, pay- much, how much reading am I going to have to do? I was like, yeah, I was paying more attention to the time of Stalker, but I didn't. Right that on. Didn't, yeah. So, okay. Um, let me talk to you real quick. Let me tell you a fun story about me trying to see this movie. Okay. So, um, Alamo Drafthouse was having a one night director's cut screening. Because oh, I. 
the House I, of Jack built. I read that it did. It only got a one day release in the U.S. Right? That's it. One day. Okay. Okay. Well, one day wide, right? Because uh, it, it had played, you know, like in L.A. and in New York. And, yeah, I mean, it'll it'll play, right? It's uh, just not everywhere. Right, right, so, right. So, which well, happens a lot where I live and where you live. Cause yeah, because yeah, Midland gets <laughs> none of the good movies. No. Um, but I know Draft House does. Yes, and so they finally got a one. And I took off work because <laughs> uh, it was like on a Wednesday or something. And I was like, <laughs> you know, screw that. Or it was on a Thursday or something. And I like, screw that. I'll take Thursday and Friday off and I'll go see it. Um, and so we'll have, have this a is, Thursday off. Because I'm assuming this is when you had, you'd already moved back to Midland for yes. the month. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. This was just, you know, this is just last year, you know. And, um, and so I made arrangements with a friend of mine. Shout out to my friend Sean. There's no way she listens to this. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to sleep on her couch after the movie, whatever. So I, I am so excited. I go, I, I meet a couple of guys at the bar and we were talking before the movie and we were talking about Trayer and all of his movies. I'm like, you know, I came from Midland to watch this and go, bro, you're a fan. I go, yeah, dude, this is going to be crazy. He goes, oh, man, you know, one of my favorites is Melancholia. Well, I like Antichrist. Well, I like Dogville, whatever. And so we're just talking about his filmography and his influences and, you know, but then we finally get to go into the movie theater and we're, okay. we're sitting down and and uh, Alamo Draft House, instead of commercials, they like to do fun videos that relate to the themes, to the scenes, to the tone ideas of the movie you're about to watch. Right. In some way, shape, or form, something will connect when you see it and you go, oh, that's why they played that video before. Oh, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was finally time. It's about to start. <laughs> and then the clips start over. If anyone didn't hear that, Jeremy was uh, tapping his watch. Yeah, I was tapping my watch. <laughs> and the clips start over. I was oh like, no! Oh, manager comes out, <laughs> and and a couple of employees, and they're going one by one, each person. They're talking to each person one by one. Then they get to me. Hey, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to be able to see this movie today. Um, uh, the uh, the company sent us the wrong code for the. Uh, because it's done digitally now, obviously. Right. And so they sent us the wrong code for it. We can't open it. And they can't get us the right one until, you know, and not in time. Okay. And like, shit. I, th- it's the most devastated I've ever been. Because I'd been waiting for this movie for <laughs> a year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I, I am devastated. So I go, <laughs> I, I, I call Zach. Um, cause Zach was so jealous and excited for me to see this movie. Right. And I was like, it didn't happen. This is bullshit. You know? <laughs> and so when iTunes finally got it, like three months later, I, I went home right after work, bought it on iTunes. Go. Right. Mm. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. And I watched it twice that day. <laughs> Um, because I was you know (laughs) because I finally I was like Von Trayer has finally made a movie in his style which I love and a with a subject matter that I just can't get enough of which is serial killer stuff I think that's fascinating yeah and I'm like this is the movie for me finally yeah, <laughs> not that I. It's just his other stuff. I find hard to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. But this one, I can just rewatch any time. I think it's brilliant. 
which I think is crazy because for me, it's uh, like I said, I didn't hate the movie. There were aspects of the movie I liked, like really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like with the stuff with OCD. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I loved that. I if the whole movie was like that, I I probably would I probably would have been like you, like dude, I want to rewatch this movie like right now. Yeah. But for me, it was probably more of a one and done. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I have my thoughts. I've already said my thoughts. Yeah. I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like my thing with um, A Star is Born. So, well, hold on. So you think that you'll never see The House of Jack oh, Pilt again? Really? No. Wow. That's interesting. No. And, and, and I think it goes back to, and I didn't believe my mom when she said it. Uh, and I kind of said it without saying it earlier in the recording. Uh, she s- says I've become a film snob. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when she was in town, uh, she wanted to go see a movie. And I was like, yeah, you know, let's go see. Um, shit, what movie was it? I suggested one movie, and she was like, nah, I don't really want to go see that. I was like, okay, well, let's go see John Wick 3 again. Like, I'd love to go see that again. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, maybe. Let's go see Shaft. She recommended Shaft. I have never seen the original Shaft. That's nor a shame. Have, nor have I seen the remake of Shaft. And I know the remake of Shaft with Mr. Samuel Jackson was more of a darker take than the uh, black exploitation version of Shaft. But I know that the newest Shaft that just came out was supposed to be like a melding of the two to give it more of that black exploitation, not necessarily lightheartedness, but the story was mm-hmm. not as deep and dark as the original remake mm-hmm. and I, I I was like no I do not want to see Shaft <laughs> absolutely not and she was like like when did when did you become a cinema snob I'm like I'm not a cinema snob I don't want to see this movie I am a cinema snob I won't even see whatever movie you were probably suggesting to see and I know it wasn't John Wick 3 because I've seen that and I well, like no, there, it, but uh, it was I don't I don't remember what movie like you like the more mainstream stuff you know mm-hmm. I like very little of the, and that makes me sound like a stupid dumb hipster and I'm not I promise <laughs> cause you know like I loved like Endgame like that was dope you know I love John Wick 3 uh, you know I like Spider-Man now that I have my copy of Endgame and, yeah. I, and I rewatched it in the comfort of my own home I cried for sin- 10 straight minutes did you really hard <laughs> hard Jeremy hard. like like in, when That's we saw it in theaters I, I silently cried because yeah. I, I had some random dude next to me and Ashley next to me and so I was I was sobbing but I was trying to keep it in so yeah. I was just like tears like streaming down my face <laughs> here dude I was vocally <laughs> sobbing That's really funny. um but I don't know, man. So, like, okay. So, no, I so, mean, if anyone's a movie snob, it's me. And I, I, I've said it many times that I am. Because people always tell me, hey, man, you've you, you seen this? I go, no, that looks terrible to me. Well, see, and, like, and so, so even though I said I will probably never rewatch this movie. Bummer. Um, I feel like it had, I feel like, and I said it with the Stalker episode, that this has really opened me up us doing this opened me up to instead of thinking of movies like this mm-hmm. having a more broader aspect like so I've never seen a single Lars Montero movie oh man ever. like ever well now didn't, you've seen one don't even yeah, I didn't even know who he was oh um, he's great I knew of Antichrist though I will say that because I 
what I'll do is I'll randomly like read things about actors and mm-hmm. movies that they've done. Was it Willem Dafoe? And the one day it was Willem Dafoe. I, love I was Willem like, it's like you know what? What's what's Willem Dafoe been up to? And I'm just looking through his cinematography, uh, uh, filmography, and I see Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? what is this? So I click on it. Like I should say, I was on my phone. I shouldn't have been reading about this psychological fuckery that is the mm-hmm. movie that I've only read about and never seen. Mm-hmm. I've even watched Willem Dafoe talking about the film. Um, but yeah, as I was reading, I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, he's also a nymphomaniac. Willem yeah. Dafoe is. Yeah. I, uh, Did you see The Florida Project? I really, really want to. I've heard, really, really I, I, uh, I know that he, there was a lot of... Uh, not necessarily improv, but a lot of was the guy who did Tangerine. So he's kind of you know more of a freeform sort of guy because he filmed that on his iPhone. So because right, I know um, I know there's a scene in the Florida Project. I forgot to say, I think it's Sean. Um, where like the 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 um, peacocks uh, weren't leaving the scene, and the director was just rolling and told Bone like, well. What would you do? Like, what would you, Willem Dafoe, what would you do to get them out of there? And Willem was like, this, and he went out there and did it. Yeah. And I, and I read that that wasn't in the script yeah. at all. Yeah. And that was completely Willem being Willem Dafoe. Yeah, that guy's more free form. But it, it, I mean, it's like jazz. It's cool. Yeah, I don't really dig it. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, again, I didn't dislike the movie. I bet I could find you one that you'd like. Uh, a uh, Montreux. We'll see. Probably. Because I don't know, man. Those... Breaking the Waves is just sad. You know, it's not a, It's not supernatural. It's not, you know, Dancer in the Dark is the same, except it's a musical. Um, really? Yeah, because it's Bjork, right? And um, You say that like I... No, oh. I'm not even going to try to pretend like, oh, yeah, I know Oh, yeah, Bjork. You don't know Bjork? Uh, she's a sweet oh, Icelandic uh, pop star, uh-huh. and uh, she was really popular at the time. Um, you know Matt and Trey from South Park. Uh, one of them at the Oscars or something uh, wore a version of her swan dress, <laughs> uh, which was the year before um, that she wore that swan dress. It was probably for Dancer in the Dark. Um, so it's funny you bring them up because I... I'm just trying to get you to know who Bjork is. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring up uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker because I just saw that Basketball is back on Netflix. Yeah. And I fucking love that movie. <laughs> um, and I know it is like widely, not widely considered the worst film ever made, but I know it has the most Razzies, <laughs> which are the the bad Oscars. I know what the Razzies are. Um, well, I'm sure the people who are listening, you know, the four people who are listening don't know what the Razzies are. Oh, I bet you Joel Schumacher knows what the oh, Razzies Joel are. Joel Schumacher <laughs> definitely knows. I'm sure he has a few on his mantle. Please. Well, uh, but no, so again, I didn't dislike the movie at all. Mm-hmm. I will probably not watch it again. Not out of like spite towards you just no like it it just it wasn't it wasn't my kind of film no dad probably won't watch it either um now zach and i we i mean we love it we'll watch it anytime anywhere so um before we exit because uh for the first time in uh quite some time we are almost at a two hour long episode. oh wow look at that yeah. we're back eat shit everyone yeah that's right i, know, I love you I, I love everyone listening yeah you guys no, are all right um so would you like to say on mic what uh we have planned sure so um usually uh i don't 
bring up on mic when we're going to take a break. I probably should start doing that. Yeah, we probably should start doing um, that. So next week, there will... Well, I say not next week. Uh, next Saturday, Jeremy and I will not be recording a new episode. Yeah. But the first Saturday of September will begin a month, a themed month, just to try something a little different. Uh, me and Jeremy both agreed that we are going to discuss the cinema of the 80s. Um, we feel like to make it a little bit more... I guess fun and not so constrained. We're going to talk about certain genres of the 80s that really stand out to us. You make it a little more structured, I guess, because, you know, talking about the 80s as a whole, the whole decade, you know, that's kind of tough. So, I mean, breaking it up into genre will probably help. And I assume that you're going to bring up some real fun, um, you know, mainstream stuff, and I'm going to make people eat their vegetables. So... (laughs) Which is what usually happens. Um, so, to your, uh, let's see, to your breakfast club, to my raging bowl. That's uh, <laughs> that's what it's going to end up being. Or, probably, yeah, more yeah. Because I, I, I'm sure I will probably bring up the the movies of the '80s that um, most, not necessarily most people associate with the. Well, no, most people associate with the '80s, like The Breakfast Club, The Goonies. Uh, oh, now we will go and I will go and say this. We will not discuss Back to the Future. No, we won't. We We've did a two-part episode on that. Yeah, we did like three and a half hours of that already. Yeah, so um, if you want a whole thing on Back to the Future, go back and listen to those two episodes. Yep, and we will probably not be discussing horror as well. Because we talked we, a lot about the horror In movies. our three-hour episode. Uh, of horror movies. It's like the, the Lawrence of Arabia of podcast episodes. It is so long. We are so sorry, but not sorry. Go fuck yourself. Which, coincidentally, is our highest listened to episode on SoundCloud. That's so weird that people listen to us. And weird that people listen to us on SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, Should we start getting face tattoos? Well, I mean, we, I mean, we have plenty of tattoos already. I guess, but I mean, like, we, we should get really dumb ones underneath our eyes. We should get face ones because now we're really popular on SoundCloud. I'll think about it. Well, everyone, we uh, we hope you enjoyed um, the podcast. I know I've showed the trailer of the house that Jack built to several people. Um, I would definitely recommend watch it. Um, and then come back and listen to this. I don't want uh, to ruin this experience for anyone. Which, of course, if you're listening to us tell you that, then you're doing I, it. I've, we, I, I know I have at least ruined that experience for you. So <laughs> we hope everyone enjoyed, and we will see you in the first week of September. See you guys. 